Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with Jeff Went and Kyle Mackey. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good today, Dominic. Uh, coming off an unfortunate uh, uh, game yesterday, but but all in all, doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. You know, it was we were talking about it earlier. It's kind of a tough game yesterday, but you know, I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's football sometimes. So that it is. Um, before we be begin uh, analyzing that match, just want to give thanks to our sponsor, the Arizona Sports Complex. The Arizona Sports Complex is Arizona's premier indoor soccer facility on the southwest corner of 35th Avenue and Pinnacle Peak Road in Glendale. With newly installed air conditioning, the Arizona Sports Complex is home to youth and adult soccer year-round. Visit ArizonaSportsComplex.com for more information and let them know that the Rising is One podcast sent you over there. And they'll give you a little discount on that annual membership. So definitely check that out. And uh, I can vouch for the fact that they have very busy leagues. So if you want to get in for the fall, if you want to get in for the summer, get out there now and check it out. So, Jeff, what happened in this match? Just a, another <sighs> defeat. Well Wow, what what happened in this match? Indeed, now let's let's uh, talk about this. First of all, let's go over the formation—a four-four-two formation in this match. Uh, a deviation now from the back three, which of course we had questioned in last week's uh, podcast. So they did go to a back four: uh, Amadou Dia, Mike Defont, Duigi Mala, Devante Debose in the back. Uh, middle four of Jason Johnson on the left, uh, Kavon Lambert, and. Uh, James Musa in the middle, and Solomon Asante on the right-hand side with uh, Chris Cortez and Kevon Freider getting a start uh, up at the top. Uh, unfortunately, that start came right away for Swope Park Rangers uh, right in the fourth minute. Uh, back pass to uh, goalkeeper Zach Lubin, who fumbles the ball. Uh, Haji Berry gets to it, uh, gets around Duigi Mullen, sticks it in the back of the net for a one nothing lead right off the bat. Uh, 
you know, we had just got done watching the Champions League game beforehand and watching, you know, uh, the Liverpool keeper, you know, muff a couple of plays uh, uh, in the second half of that match. And then you you, you turn to this one and, and you see another fumble by a goalkeeper right away. Uh, makes you feel bad for the goalkeeper, but at the same time, that's a play that Zach Lubin's got to have, guys. Absolutely. And it's really a two-part problem here because at the very beginning of that, he's clearing the ball and it's not he doesn't get a good left foot on it and it goes right to a Swope Park player. That's how they're able to get the cross in because it was just a bad clearance. Um, then the cross comes in and still, it was a good run by Barry, but Lubin was there first and it wasn't a really hard-struck cross. He should catch that ball, but it squirts out and it's just perfect placement for Haji Barry to just roll it in. Yeah, yeah, it was an unfortunate series of events, events there, and I, I mean, yeah, it was kind of reminiscent of that, uh, that save by Loris Karius in the Champions League, to where yeah, he he had his hands on it and then just kind of slipped out, you know, and you know that's just kind of how it goes sometimes, but you know, unfortunate start to the match, but uh, you know, I I thought at that point we still had a shot to turn it back around and get a goal. Yeah, and we and they tried to turn it around. I mean, late. You know, seventh minute, uh, Solomon Asante gets a shot on goal. It just went uh, uh, wide on the short side. Then Johnson gets a shot off in the eighth minute. They get a corner in the 11th. So, I mean, the pressure was was put on. But unfortunately, uh, right after that corner for Phoenix Rising, uh, Swope Park came on the counterattack. And uh, Hernandez got a shot on goal, and he hit the post. Uh, had, had Lubin beat on that one, but just uh, just not, not quite enough on the inside. Um but, uh, you know, Phoenix Rising keeps the pressure up. Uh, they get a corner, you know, get a corner in the 15th, get a corner in the 19th. Freighter gets a ball on the, in the 21st. They get another corner in the 25th. You see the, you see the progression, you know, that they're, that they're keeping it in Swole Park's half, but unfortunately just aren't able to do anything with it. And this is something that I think we're going to speak towards a little bit more after, as we talk about you know, our post-match thoughts, you know, for this one, but, you know, even though they're pushing, you just didn't see the creativity of these guys yesterday. It it just, it seemed like they were in this match to, to, to get a draw and to just get out of Kansas city free and clear. But, uh, you know, obviously, you know, that, that strategy, I don't think really paid off that well. Um, yeah, you know. the the thing that just was so frustrating is the team actually seemed to respond well to conceding that early goal and created several quality chances to score, at least in my opinion. Uh, Jason Johnson, that shot in the eighth minute, he was one-on-one with the keeper. That was a great pass by Kevon Freider, and it would have been so nice to see Kevon get recognized with a nice assist, just something to get his spirits up and instead... Johnson just really pulled that ball. I mean, it happens to everyone, but he had a chance to just easily loft it over the keeper or just smash it hard into the left half of the goal. He had a lot of space to work with. Um, Same thing goes. Asante uh, had a couple that were close to the target, but towards the end of the half, he had a chance to volley one, and he just missed it pretty bad. Um, Just a lot of chances, but not enough quality from 
from the guys in this match really just did not have their finishing boots on at all. No, no, they didn't. It, it just, it was kind of like off day, you know, it, it just seemed like we couldn't get anything in that first half to fall for us. You know, even as you said, Jason Johnson had that great opportunity. Normally we would expect him to finish it there. And, but you know, that wasn't the, that wasn't the case. And, um, I mean, I think on another day we could have pulled out a goal in that first half and it would have been one, one going into halftime, but it is what it is. I think the first, the, you know, the best attempt the Phoenix Rising had in that first half came in the 37th minute. Uh, Solomon Solomon Asante had a shot on goal that was uh, saved by Adrian Zendejas. Uh, Zendejas made, you know, two or three really good saves in this match, or a couple we'll get to later in the second half. You know, but, you know, a, a solid effort in the back by uh, Adrian Zendejas to, you know, to, to get Swope what they needed. Um, towards the end of the first half, uh, Lubin had to make a great save on a Tyler Blackwood shot. Um, and then a couple of, couple of chances from Phoenix rising, uh, Kevon Frater misses a shot on the 42nd, followed by a Chris Cortez shot over the top, or I'm sorry, he, he hit a ball over the top to Frater. That shot was saved by, by Zendejas as well. Uh, and then Cortez tried to get a shot off towards the end of the first half in stoppage time. Uh, it was blocked, and then it fell to Asante, who who hit it over the top of the net. So you go into the half at, at down one nothing, but at the same time, you know, you see some signs of life out of the club, but it just it just seemed like something was missing, and I, you know, you can't really tell what it was, but it just you could you could sense that there was just something missing out there. Yeah, I feel like it was one of those days that, like, we needed Drogba-type leadership. You know, we needed someone that just kind of tell the guys, calm down, we're still in this, and just kind of take control of the game. And I feel like we didn't have that yesterday, and it's, uh, I mean, it definitely showed. Yeah, it it really did. Um, All it took, too, would have been, like, it felt like one of those games where you just need Drogba to come up with a big play. You just need someone to step up, and then it gets the whole squad going. And unfortunately, no one was able to make that really big play that just kind of lifted everyone's spirits and changed the course of the match. Yeah, that 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 you you were looking for, but it just never seemed to never seemed to materialize. You know, and as we. And as we get into the second half, you see more of the same. I mean, Barry gets a shot off to begin the second half with Mike DeFont blocking the ball. You get a corner in the 60th minute, you know, bounces around. uh, And then Zendejas, you know, the biggest save in the match for Zendejas comes in the 61st minute. Johnson goes in all alone, has a one-on-one and all he needs to do is just kind of pop it over the top of Zendejas. Well, he couldn't even pop it over the top of Zendejas because he hit it right into Zendejas. I mean, he makes that, and I think this match kind of turns around, and now you're, you know, now you're looking at one-one salvaging a point, or even at that point you could be looking at, at you know, going for you know going for the win at that point. And I, I think after that play happens, I think. Phoenix Rising kind of seemed to be deflated a little bit in the fact that, well, gosh, we can't get, we can't seem to get anything past Zendayas here. 
Yeah, and let's not forget about that first half chance from Kavon Freider either when he was one-on-one with Zendejas and Kiever made a good kick save there. It just, a couple times we thought that we had him and uh, he was just right spot, right time, every single time. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those situations again, kind of like this the sporting AZ match, I feel like, to where... All of our balls, all of our shots seem to be going right in the goalkeeper's direction, you know, and he was just perfectly placed. And um, I think that that's the problem that we've kind of seen plague us, you know. I mean, we've had a tough time scoring these past couple weeks, but I also think that, I mean, we've talked about it. Swope's a top team. Zendejas is a good goalkeeper, and we haven't performed against those top teams yet this season. So at some point, we're going to have to uh, find a way to adapt and break down these goalies. Yeah, that that you are right. So we get we get more into the second half here. We see the introduction of Devin Vega and Alessandro Rigi into the match in the 69th minute. Vega come on for Kavan Freda. Rigi came on for Devante Debose. Uh, seeing James Musa fall back into the defensive backfield and switching uh, Mike Defont over uh, to the right hand side, uh, looking for a little bit of energy, looking for a little bit of speed, and you really didn't see a lot out of either one of these guys. You know, coming in in the last 20 minutes, you figure fresh legs is going to give them some energy, but you really didn't see a lot of effort from Vega. You really didn't see a lot of effort from Reggie on this match. I don't know if it was just formation. I don't know if it was just because of you know, the tactics and what was going on, but you just didn't see a lot of, a lot of things from the two of them, you know, and then bringing a Waco on for Cortez in the 77th, uh, you know, a lot of the same. I mean, you know, we've, we've kind of questioned Gladson Waco in the last few weeks, as far as, as, you know, his effort and, and whether he's, you know, whether he, he's, he's the right person for the right formation or not. But I mean, just a lot of these guys, you didn't see a lot of effort, uh, you know, when once they came into the match, um, you move towards the end of this match, and not a lot of creativity from Phoenix Rising, but a little bit more creativity from Swope Park Rangers. Tyler Blackwood gets the shot off in the 83rd minute, um, and then the 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 great save. But you know, let let's give Zach Lubin some credit here at the end of the match. Um, you know, as Phoenix Rising's trying to 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 get that tying goal, you know, you get Blackwood. He, Hits one off the post. Benitez gets a shot off. It's saved by Lubin, and then Minter hits one off the crossbar. Um, you know, let's let's give credit where credit is due on that save for Zach Lubin in the 90th minute. You know, on Benitez, but uh, obviously not enough creativity towards the end of this match. And Phoenix Rising falls to its second straight defeat, one uh, nothing. This time to Swole Park Rangers. Let me ask you guys a question, and let's you know let, let's kind of ponder this for a moment. You mentioned, Kyle, just a second ago about having that leadership when Didier Drogba's in the lineup. He's the guy you kind of look to for things to happen. When Drogba's not in the lineup, do we have that person that we can look to that can be that guy that would be the, you know, let's look to him to, to you know, get this group going? Because I haven't seen anybody do that yet in the matches that – that Drogba hasn't played it. Well, I'm going to go first, Dominic. What, the one player I would say that I think does possess those qualities is Carl Wazinski, and he wasn't even on the pitch. So I, I really feel like yesterday we didn't have a clear-cut leader. 
you know, last season we had Peter Ramage, we had Jordan Stewart, we had Drogba, uh, we had Sean Wright Phillips. We had so many guys that they had that veteran leadership. This year, I feel like that's kind of our Achilles heel of all this youth is that when we become rattled at times, it feels like the team can't respond in the right way. You know, they can't just, you know, settle down and work their way back into the match. It seems like we do almost too much and push too hard, and then those chances just don't materialize. So right now, I don't, I mean, I would like to think that maybe Awako or Solomon Asante, you know, players that Carteron has trust in, or Duigi Mala, he's one that I think, he, he could step up in those roles, but we haven't really seen that. So, I mean, yesterday, I think that was what we missed, and I think that we saw that. It was a huge factor in the game. Yeah, the the guy that I would say is, you know, Solomon Asante a lot of weeks is able to make the play that just gives the team a spark. But they did a pretty good job neutralizing him in this match. And uh, I think with Solomon Asante, that leadership is more of like, his actions speak louder than the words. And, you know, he just makes such great plays that he can give people lift. But if everyone's energy is down, he doesn't necessarily have the words to give everyone a lift. So you're right. We really are missing someone that just has that kind of leadership that can get people going when people aren't playing at their best. And it's it's something that we're going to have to deal with for at least the next month because Drogba won't be playing for us until after the World Cup. He's about to go to England and do his thing over there with BBC. So you know, we have to figure something out. You know, you know, somebody who I'd like to see fill that role, if he can come back from his injury, um, could be Billy Forbes. I mean, I, I thought Billy, you know, in the matches when Drogba wasn't playing, seemed to have a really good command of the field uh, and, and really looked like he was you know, kind of, kind of talking or, or mouthing with people, you know, as far as getting things across. And it seemed like for, for a little bit, it seemed like it was working there. So maybe once Billy comes back from his injury, you know, maybe he's that guy that can, they can kind of look to as well. Yeah. I, that's, I mean, that's a great point, Jeff. I, I do think Billy Forbes has that kind of leadership quality and I think he's a player we really missed yesterday. I think if we had him on the field, yeah, maybe the result could have been different. No doubt about it. Uh, he's such a great glue guy, and it stinks to have him off the pitch for several weeks now and really just not having that spark on the left wing to that bit of creativity that can uh, put more pressure on opposing defenses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, any other thoughts on this match before we preview St. Louis? I mean, it just... It was kind of a tough one. It kind of petered out at the end there, but it is what yeah. it is, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it was. It was just kind of a. It was kind of a tough match to watch, and I'm sure for the for the boys out on the field, it was a tough match to play. You know, it was just it was one of those days where it didn't seem to fall right, and you know that's just kind of how it goes. Well, if there's if there's something that should give us a little bit of optimism, and I know it's tough with three straight defeats and two straight in, in USL competition, we're still in third place in the standings, and our next match is at St. Louis, a team that's not in the top eight, and a team that hasn't won a match in its last five. That's three draws and two losses from them. And something that could really give us a little bit of hope here is 
They've had a lot of trouble scoring in these matches. They only have two goals, excluding the one match against Los Dos. Only two goals from their other four matches in their last five. Uh, two one-one draw or two two games where they scored one, two games where they got shut out, and on Saturday they get thumped by Colorado Springs three-nil. So this is a team in pretty poor form. They're a team that's really struggling to score. So you have to feel like we can at least get a draw here. And if, if anything, this is the game going into this road trip where I was thinking, we really should win this one. This is the game that we have to go out and go all out for. And if anything, you know, I would, I would rather have a win at St. Louis than, you know, two draws from the two matches. No, I agree with you there. I, I, I sense this is a, this is maybe turning into an early must win game for this club. I mean, you know, you got two, you know, you, like you said, you got two losses in the league in a row now, three losses overall, in, you know, in all competitions. You know, you don't want to be coming out of this, you know, and into a 10 day break after this match, staring four losses in a row, you know you know, in your face and then having to go play one of the top teams on the road in Sacramento in a couple of, you know, in 10 days, you don't want that at all. I mean, that's, you know, I, I think Carter Owen has to come back on Wednesday and has to really, really put a, a strong lineup forward. And if that, you know, you know, if that means sitting some individuals because they're just not producing, then maybe that's, this is a time where we see some other guys, you know, make the field. This, I think this is a, this is a perfect game in my opinion for somebody like an Evan Waldrop to make his starting debut for the club and, and, and get some good quality minutes here. You know, like we said, he played a strong match against sporting AZ, you know, the midfield really hasn't looked that strong as of recent. I mean, you know, haven't seen a lot of strong play out of Kavon Lambert. Haven't seen a lot of strong play out of James Musa. Haven't seen a lot of strong play, you know, out of that, you know, even that left flank since Billy Forbes has been out. I would love to see an Evan Waldrop, you know, find find the pitch in this match. You know, this would be a perfect opportunity. Yeah. And I, I, oh, go on, Kyle. I, I was just going to say, I think you're right, Jeff, because, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity to, you know, to see what Evan can do. And, I mean, we also do have that Swope match coming up. So maybe we get or the Swope Sacramento match. So maybe we give, you know, one of our regular starters, Asante or Johnson or even Kevon Lambert, you know, the night off. and uh, Or at least just let him see a substitute role and, you know, see what Evan Waldrop can do. Um, I mean, you guys talked about it last week. He was probably our best player in that Sporting AZ match. Um, and I think he's from the – from the time that he's had on the field so far this season, I think he's earned more opportunities. But, I mean, also what you were saying, Jeff, I think this is an early must-win match, too, because we've had kind results so far in the rest of the Western Conference, but I don't think that's going to continue. I mean, the teams that are top-caliber teams are starting to show that. And, um, I mean, we have a really tough match at that Sacramento away. I think three points on Wednesday is going to be a... Uh, is going to be very valuable, and especially when it gets uh, later on in the season. It's especially because there is that 10-day layoff, and then the next match after that is away to Sacramento. Uh, some guys to keep your eye on for St. Louis. Kyle Gregg is their leading scorer. He has five goals on the season. No one else on the St. Louis roster has more than one goal this season. 
So it's going to be Kyle Gregg up top. Uh, also, Corey Herzog. Uh, he only has one goal for them this season, but he's put a bunch of shots on goal. Maybe just getting a little unlucky. Only one goal from 13 shots. But he's another guy to watch out for up top, formerly of Pittsburgh River Hounds. Um, in the net for them, it's going to be Jake Fennelson. He has four clean sheets on the season uh, and in his 10 appearances. So he's a guy that you you uh, have to respect back in net. He's a pretty clear-cut uh, first-choice goalkeeper for them. But a pretty, a pretty run-of-the-mill team. I mean, they have a minus-four goal differential, uh, three wins, three defeats, and five draws. So just kind of a ho-hum season for them. Um, you know, you can't take it for granted, but this is a great opportunity to get a win. Um, and I don't care how this happens. I don't care if it's a eyesore of a match like Reno or Los Dos. In fact, I think that's the way we... It's going to maybe frustrate people, but just anything to not give up a goal right in the beginning of the match because this is just killing us continuing to fall behind in these matches we absolutely can't just let another team score on us in the first 20 minutes and it's something that we thought we had resolved after mls preseason and a couple rough matches early on but now you see it happening again fresno draw los dos where we came back this week last week against Sacramento, and it's just this recurring theme. We cannot dig ourselves a hole against St. Louis because they love to play ahead. Then they can go very defensive and grind out that one nil. Just keep it nil-nil in the first 20 minutes and then let our talent take over from there. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, I I don't know what, I, I, I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if it's in the guy's heads. I don't, I don't know, but there's got to be something that these guys can do to, to shake this this first 20 minutes uh, funk of giving up early goals. They got they got to find a way to to stop it. I mean, it just it's 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 a lot of, and a lot of these mistakes are, unmist- are are unmistakable. I mean, you can't you know Zach Lubin makes the the early mistake you know on the goal this week. You go back to the Sacramento match. A total defensive lapse by James Musa allows the first goal. Um, you go back to the low stones match and just poor defending there again. I mean, these guys have got to get it in their heads straight that right from minute one, that whistle blows. You got to be moving. I mean, they've got to be acting like they were the first, you know, six or seven minutes of that Sacramento match. I mean, pushing, pushing, pushing. You know, you got to take advantage of mistakes that are given in front of you you know sacramento throws the ball you know kicks the ball out 15 seconds into the match you're throwing it in and you're getting a shot on goal in the first 30 seconds you know you got to start taking advantage more advantage of things like that putting more pressure you know on your opposing team as you're doing that but by the same token you know the defensive backfield has got to start standing up stronger than what they have been the last couple of weeks and it just you know They've got to shake this mentality that we're a better team in the first 20 minutes than the way we've been acting. Yeah, they, they definitely do, Jeff. And, I mean, it's it's something with Carterone as a defensive-minded coach. It's it's kind of puzzling as 
to why this is such a struggle for us. Um, it seemed like we did solve it, at, you know, that for a couple games this season, but now it seems to be, you know, coming back to haunt us. Um, I just, I mean, I don't, I really don't know what, what is causing all these early mistakes, and it almost seems like teams now. I mean, they're going to push even more to try to make us to cause that early mistake, you know, because they know if they can get up 1-0 and, you know, as you said, sit back defensively, both St. Louis and Sacramento are fully capable of doing that and grinding out a 1-0 victory. So it's it's something that we definitely need to tighten up in those first 20 minutes and then, yeah, just let our talent take control and tire out the other team. And, I mean, eventually we will see the, see the shots on goal and the, the great opportunities. But when, we, when we're playing from behind – and we have a more of a sense of urgency. I think that the guys are starting to become more um, stake prone, and we just, you know, it's playing under pressure is never a great feeling. So if, if we could be playing on level terms from the start, and you know, find a way to to work our way into the match rather than you know being down from the get go, I think that'll really uh really help us, and I think we'll see more positive results on the field too. For sure, um, you know. Just for the sake of all our fans and for us, let's go out there and play a strong match on Wednesday, start out all right, and get three points because everyone is just thirsty for a win. we got to have some positive momentum going into that Sacramento match. Um, but with that being said, I think we can move into other USL scores and then standings. Yeah, let's get into some other scores and standings for this week. Um, Wednesday, you know, in, in the West, uh, Wednesday, Rio Grande and LA Galaxy had a 1-1 draw played in Rio Grande. Um, the results from Saturday, some, you know, some that caught caught our, our interest. Obviously, we already talked about, you know, Colorado Springs getting that big 3 nothing win over St. Louis. But here's a result that all caught our eyes. Portland getting a one nothing win at home over Real Monarchs. Uh, you know, a chance for Phoenix Rising to... to it, with a, if they could have won on Saturday, could have closed the gap at the top of the Western Conference. But now uh, we've got a strong Portland Timbers, who's, who's now the hottest team in the league. Uh, four wins and a draw out of their last five matches. Uh, getting a goal uh, in the I'm sorry, 77th minute from Darian Asparilla uh, gives uh, Monarchs a one nothing victory. I mean, this, this is one of those... We've been looking for one of those, you know, benchmark wins on the season well here's the benchmark win of the season now for portland timbers too getting that win over the top of the table real monarchs and now moving themselves uh, to within a couple of points of the top spot of the table and i'll tell you what about this game this scoreline actually fa- uh flattered real monarchs because timbers had two missed penalties in this match before they got the winner and it was actually the two guys that combined on their winning goal in the 33rd minute, Dyron Asparilla missed a penalty kick saved by the keeper. And then uh, I think 66th minute, Renzo Zambrano, he blasted one off the crossbar. So it, it would have been really unlucky for Timbers 2 to come away with only one point from that match. And, you know, they do end up converting the winner. Uh, bad giveaway by Monarchs sets up T2 in great position. And Zambrano is able to find Asparilla for that goal. But... Timbers, too, has been playing very great uh, football lately. And they could have won by even more than just the 1-0. I mean, could anyone have seen this team turning into the most 
dominant team in the Western Conference. I mean, and the other, the other thing too is, what a message this sends. Here we are getting all of these teams that we think of as our equals, and we can't do anything with these chances. And then Timbers too, you know, their first really good chance to have a match like this, a good uh, measuring stick kind of match, they go out there and they win all three points, and they do it pretty convincingly. I, I had no clue that this was coming from Portland Timbers, too. I mean, you saw how far down the standings they sat last year. And now, you know, now here they are two points from the top of the, the Western Conference table. Um, you know, we had no expectations for this club because, you know, three or four weeks, you know, before the season even starts, when we did our preview, we had no clue who was going to be on this team because they hadn't signed very many players to their roster. So, I mean... You know, what? whatever they've done in Portland, I mean, hats off to them. Yeah, it's it's been a complete turnaround. And, I mean, I'm sure I don't recall exactly where I ranked them during the preseason rankings, but I, I know they were definitely down in that 14 to 17 range. And, you know, great for them to, to have this kind of turnaround. And, you know, I mean, it's I think that they're going to be a team that we're going to have to take really seriously when it comes time to play them because they're not going to be a – you know, an automatic three points like they were last season. So um, good for them. And, you know, hopefully uh, we'll see some improvement to, to our attack before we have to play them. Yep. Yep, yep. That's that's definitely for sure. So some other scores of the West, uh, Tulsa and Oklahoma City played to a 1-1 draw in the Oklahoma Derby on Saturday. Uh, Orange County gets back on its winning ways with a 3-0 win over Fresno. Uh, how about this result, guys? Uh, LA Galaxy goes out and hangs another seven spot, uh, getting a 7-2 win over Las Vegas Lights FC. Uh, Ethan Zubak with a hat trick, uh, three goals within the first 17 minutes of the match, and actually those three goals actually came within a span of about eight minutes. Uh, he scores in the ninth, 16th, and 17th minutes, and then uh, uh, adds a fourth one, in the sorry forgive me for for not seeing what minute that that fourth goal was uh 54th minute for for Zubak on that fourth goal but wow four goals from Ethan Zubak two from Ari Lassiter uh and a seventh from Busher I mean wow guys I, I w- wasn't expecting another seven spot from LA Galaxy who now uh with two seven-goal games on the season, have moved themselves up into a tie for second in the league now in scoring. Uh, with Portland Timbers two, they both they both scored 22 goals on the season. Uh, obviously, with Phoenix Rising leading the league at, at 23 goals on the season. But uh, wow, Galaxy just doing what they've done the last couple of matches. Uh, your guys' thoughts? Um. I think we played the Galaxy at the right time. And I'm, I'm glad we don't have to see them again till uh, possibly playoffs. Because, you know, yeah, I mean, they're putting in some crazy score lines right now. And I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, crazy for them to, you know, they did have a slow start. But we talked about it during our season previews of them. They have some quality players in Efrain Alvarez and Ethan Zubak and uh, Ari Lassiter. And, you know, they, they've been a good team in the past in the USL, I think that it maybe took them a little bit longer. And, um, but you know, it's, it's crazy for them to be able to, uh, to have this kind of goal scoring ability. So good for them. 
Yeah, and I'm starting to wonder if if they might be this year's Reno because you guys might remember Reno came in uh, the first five matches of last season looking terrible, not scoring a ton, conceding all sorts of goals, and then it started with the match where they just thumped us in our own building. That turned the whole season around for them, and they ended up getting some big-time wins. Five goals, six goals. There's the infamous 9-0 against Los Dos. And Los Dos has so many young players. I think, you know, the last year and a half, they really hadn't had too much consistency in the first team. But I think now they're starting to get a group of guys that they're, you know, consistently throwing out there on a weekly basis. Those guys are starting to get more comfortable with each other. And I think you're finally starting to see some results. Um, do you guys think they can get back into the top eight? It might be a stretch, but I mean, the way they're playing right now, I mean, you look at their recent form, uh, two wins, two losses, and a draw in their last five matches. I mean, that's obviously what seven of their seven of their 10 points on the season. Granted, they're seven points out of the eighth spot right now, but like you said, if, you know, if they start playing, this way and get things turned around I, I mean anything could really be possible at this point yeah yeah no I, I think I think it's possible for them um, it'll re- what will really tell for me is how they perform against you know top eight teams teams that are gonna be making playoffs this season um, I don't see them being a high seed I mean I think that maybe they could be there right with uh, maybe that St. Louis Reno Colorado Springs kind of you know, area of the playoffs. Um, but it'll be interesting to see going forward. They do have a lot of young players, so, you know, maybe they're not they're not able, not able to perform as well against the, the top teams of the USL Western Conference. But, I mean, I think, I think that they're in a decent position to do so, given their talent. Um, but, it, I mean, it'll, we'll have to see how, the, how their matches play out over the next few weeks. Yeah, and, and an interesting thing, I think you're totally right, Kyle, that we played them at the perfect time because they have a very favorable schedule coming up, too. They play Tulsa at home next week. Then they go Orange County at home the week after that. Then the away trips to OKC and Tulsa. Then a home match with Sounders, too. That's their next five matches. And that, that to me, looks like, you know, two, possibly three wins there. And maybe only one loss from that. I mean, that can really get you back into that top eight hunt. Um, so a lot of opportunities there. On the flip side, what is going on with Las Vegas? I, they have they have really hit a hit a stretch here where, you know, they they can't seem to buy a win recently. Now it's three straight losses for them. They're winless. Uh, you know, in their last five matches, you know, two draws, three losses. I mean, you know, they started out the season on fire, and uh, and now all of a sudden they've just kind of hit this rut, and it's it's, you know, I you know I think part of it too has has to do with the fact that you know they don't have their coach right now. I mean, their coach is serving a, a lengthy suspension for for something he did a, a few matches back, and you know you wonder if that has something to play into it. It might, and let's let's not forget too that they played a pretty strong lineup in the Open Cup, and they lost to Golden State Force this Wednesday. Um, you know, a similar, similar upset to the one that we had. So really, things are not working out well for them. And the biggest thing is, they were scoring goals at the beginning of the season, 
and their defense was hanging in there, but now their defense is just getting obliterated in some of these matches. And then when the defense is respectable, they can't they can't buy a goal. You have to go back to March 31st for Las Vegas Lights last win. Wow. <laughs> that's I mean, yeah, that's I mean, that just kind of shows that you know, yeah, they started off the season well and they had they had draws you know against some tough teams they had a nil nil against real monarchs which i mean we all know that's a pretty respectable result but um yeah it seems like as of late they can't get all all parts of their team to be in sync you know if if the attacks scoring a goal or two their defense is letting in seven if their if their defense is you know holding on strong they're letting in a few goals so I think that it's still you know they're kind of struggling and I think that Jeff's probably right I think their coach not being there has a has a great amount to do with it um but I think he, he will be back I know in the next few games so maybe we see a turnaround from them you know I think I think that they're a team that we could match up well against I think it'll be a tough exciting match when we play them here on June 13th but it'll also be dollar beer night and I think the team plays better on those nights so it'll be a it'll be a fun one, that's for sure. <laughs> Indeed, and that's our next home match, so that's something yeah. to look forward to. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, one more one more match we'll take a look at uh, this week in in, in the uh, standings. Uh, Reno getting a two one win at home over uh, San Antonio FC. Uh, it was a first half goal from Jerry Van Awijk, and then it was a second half goal from Mohamed Diaw. Uh, they got uh, Reno three big points, uh, kind of gets them back in the push of things. Um, San Antonio, this is a loss that could hurt them. I mean, you know, you're starting to see some separation, you know, within the standings. You're starting to see some separation between that eighth and ninth spot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, Reno's, you know, like we said, this is, you know, Reno's starting to do the same thing they did last year. They started out very slow. They're 2-0-3 in their last five matches and are really starting to turn things around again. Yeah, they're back into the top eight. And I think the the cause for concern here, if you're San Antonio, is maybe the first few weeks, you know, you're having a tough time getting going in this season. But, you know, you can't really make that excuse anymore. We're almost a third of a way through this season. They're still outside the top eight. They're now three points out of that eighth spot and seven points behind fourth place. And this is a team that was first place or uh, second place in the Western Conference last year with title ambitions coming into this season. And, you know, are you starting to press the panic button now if you're San Antonio? Maybe not the panic button, but this is starting to get... I think you have to start seriously worrying if you're them about getting top four. Because there is... There is enough separation now where it's it's not something you can just chalk it up to, oh, it's the first few weeks, the guys are still just starting to gel. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, Dominic. I, I mean, I, I mean, just from how strong they were last season, I, I can't write them off for playoffs, but I, I think that they're not going to make the top four. I mean, there's already that gap. I mean, maybe they put together some amazing run and – a top four team, you know, ends up uh, falling off a little bit, but I just think that they put themselves in such a hole right now that it's it's going to be a re- really tough task. Um, but I mean, I think that even in playoffs, they're going to be a tough team. I mean, we've seen def- they're just so defensively strong. 
they may not score the most, but they just they have, especially against Phoenix in the past, you know, they just have the ability to to just shut you down and limit your opportunities. So even even on the road in playoffs, I think they're one of those teams that could easily cause a kind of upset and um, you know kind of make it you know probably to that second round, maybe even the Western Conference Finals if things go right for them. So I think for them, the biggest task is just going to be making playoffs. I think if they can make playoffs, given their uh, their strong form on the road and at home, I think they'll be okay. One other thing about San Antonio, they're going to be a fun team to watch the next two weeks because they play next Saturday home against Timbers 2. Uh, they have a home match against Sac Republic on the 16th, home match against Reno the week after that, and then away to Colorado Springs. So they have a lot of matches against top eight teams, a lot of matches where you're going to really see what this team is made of and great opportunities for them to hop over some teams, get back into the top eight. Um, also, a really fun U.S. Open Cup fourth-round matchup hosting FC Dallas on Wednesday, June 6th. So that could be a chance for a fun cup set for those people. Yeah, that definitely for sure. could be It could be an interesting cup set to watch there. So... That uh, brings us now to the Western Conference standings after this week. Uh, again, Real Monarchs at the top of the table, 25 points off of 11 matches. It's Portland Timbers 2, now in second, 23 points off of 12 matches. Uh, Phoenix Rising is third, 21 points off of 12 matches with a plus-9 goal differential. Over fourth place, Sacramento Republic FC, who now has 21 points with a plus-4 goal differential. Then it's Orange County in fifth place at 20 points off of 11 matches. It's Swope Park Rangers in sixth, 19 points off of 11 matches. Colorado Springs is now seventh at 17 points out of 13 matches played. And rounding out the top eight, it's Reno at 17 points uh, off of 12 matches played. Then we get to the bottom half of the table. It's San Antonio in ninth at 14 points off of 11 matches played. St. Louis in 10th at 14 points off of 11 matches played. It's Fresno in 11th with 12 points off of 10 matches played. LA Galaxy has now moved up into 12th with the last two results of a draw and a win. Uh, puts him at 10 points of 12 matches played. Las Vegas Lights in 13th at 10 points off of 10 matches played. It's Rio Grande Valley in 14th, 10 points off of 11 matches played. Seattle Sounders in 15th, 8 points off of 10 matches. And the bottom two, Oklahoma City, uh, 16th, 7 points off of 11 matches. And Tulsa, 7 points off of 11 matches played. That's your USL Western Conference standings for this week. And uh, any any thoughts on those standings, or should we move well, to? Oh, go on. Well, like like you like you said, you know, like I said earlier, you're starting to see the separation between the teams, and the you know, you know, you're looking at at a gap from from top four now down to ninth of seven points, which is really a gap that's starting to open up. Uh, you're looking at it's eight points from first to eighth, which is really, you know, kind of starting to open up just a little bit. Then you're looking at, you know, you're starting to see a little, you know, you're starting to see a three-point gap between eighth and ninth, you know, and even down to, to let's say, fourteenth, you know, you're at a seven-point gap. So, you know, eight to fourteen there. So, I mean, you're you're really starting to see some gaps gaps being made. Now, the question is, will these gaps continue to stay that way, or will some of these top eight teams start beating each other and start closing that gap back up again? 
yeah, it'll it'll be fun to watch. I think there's that top five or six in the Western Conference is going to separate itself from that bottom pack as the season progresses. And you're already starting to see it. Uh, the top six, 25 points to 19 points, uh, that group is starting to distinguish itself from like Colorado Springs and below, which is down at 17, and then it goes down to 14 pretty quick. Um, but there's a lot of soccer left to be played. Did you guys see the Open Cup draw this week? Yeah, some some definitely some interesting uh, Open Cup draw you know games there. I love that Sacramento Republic's going to get to host a game against... Uh, 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 Sounders. Sound. That's right. They're playing yeah. Sounders. Um, love that. I love that that the uh, the team in te- the Bar League team in Texas gets to go play the Dynamo. They actually, you know, that's actually going to give them a chance to actually get into the fifth round. I mean, that's going to be a great thing to see. You know, if they can get past the Dynamo, but but uh, you know, like you said, you know, yeah, San Antonio's hosting Dallas. Uh, you know, there, there's some great things going on, and I, I can't wait to watch the fourth round of the Open Cup rally. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. The one, the one thing that kind of bums me out is that the fact that had we beaten Sporting AZ in Fresno, you know, it, it could have been us playing at LAFC, and I think that would have been, you know, that would have been sweet for Phoenix Rising. Um, you know, I mean, you know, regardless of the result, I would have tried to to make the road trip just to go see the that cool new stadium. But um, you know, I mean, I think that I think that it's not the worst thing for Phoenix because as we've seen, you know, we've had some tough results the past couple weeks, and having an open cup to focus on as well, I think that that would have made it tougher for us to to perform in the league. So now I think we can just you know have have one focus and you know focus on top four and you know go from there. So. It's a bummer to not be in the Open Cup, but I mean, we have so many great fourth round matchups that uh, it's still it's still super exciting as a fan of the game to, just to watch. Definitely. And, you know, maybe let's play a game here because I see some interesting ones where the USL teams could pull off upsets. I, I don't know if you guys have all the matches in front of you, but if you do, I'm, I want to I want us to pick two matches each where you think that the USL team will win for me it's fc cincinnati hosting minnesota united i think fc cincinnati should legitimately be favored for that match minnesota united not a good team on the road um in mls fc cincinnati a quality team at home uh disregarding their loss against louisville in the derby this weekend they're in general a very good team at home and you've seen that they can do this in the Open Cup last year. You know that that's going to be a huge crowd at Nippert Stadium, at least 25,000 for a match against an MLS side. And I'm sure they're going to want to show the nation why MLS made a good choice in making them Team 26. Uh, another matchup I could, I could see a big upset. There's an opportunity for Sacramento Republic against Sounders. There's an opportunity for Nashville at home against Colorado, but the one I real the other one I really like is Louisville City hosting New England Revs. Uh, Louisville, you know, league winners last year, their first place in the East right now. New England, a pretty ho hum, mediocre team in MLS. Um, I think that's a great opportunity for Louisville to get the win there, and that's a that's a pretty long trip for New England going from Boston to Louisville. So. 
I think those are my two picks for that I feel pretty good about for USL fourth round upsets. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with you on both of those. I mean, you know, Louisville City is is, is a strong side. FC Cincinnati a strong side. You know, Sacramento. You know, they'll still catch the Sounders without Clint Dempsey in this match because Clint Dempsey is is finishing up serving his lengthy suspension that he received a couple of years ago, uh, you know, when he had a red card incident. Um, but, you know, would I love to see Fresno beat LAFC? It would be great, but I don't think they can do it. Um yeah, and the other one that kind of intrigues me a little bit is is Nashville's hosting Colorado. Colorado's got to make a long trip to Nashville for a fourth round match. I mean, you know, it's unfortunate that there was nobody else in their geographical area that could match up with them, and so they have to travel to to Nashville for this match. That could be the one interesting one that could kind of flip the script a little bit. They're also playing that at the Vanderbilt Football Stadium, so you can see a crowd of. 25 to 30,000 people for that match. That's going to be a big one uh, right in right in downtown Nashville. That should be a fun night for that city. That, yeah. that it should be. Yeah, I think I think that that Nashville game, I think that'll be a good telltale of the MLS to Nashville expansion. You know, I think we should definitely see a large crowd being that they're going to play an MLS team that they, they won't see quite often, but they will definitely see no doubt in Colorado Rapids. And I think that I think that Nashville is poised well. Colorado's bottom of the Western Conference in the in the MLS, so I think they have a good shot. Um, I think Dominic hit the hit it right on the head. I think that um, FC Cincinnati and Louisville and are definitely the the favorites to uh, kind of get a fourth round upset. I think Sacramento has a good opportunity too. Um, one that I would personally like to see is. Miami United hosting Orlando City, an NPL, NPSL team hosting an MLS team. You know, I think they've they've had such a far run already. Miami United to to get the win there would just be huge. I mean, just to be there is you know icing on the cake. But um, I mean to to uh, upset Orlando City, who's made some strides in the MLS this season, I think that would be huge. But uh, I think Dominic was right with the two most uh, most likely upsets of this fourth round. Yeah. And maybe San Antonio, too, hosting Dallas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They have a good shot. Especially, I mean, being at home, I think San Antonio plays very well at home. And, uh, you know, Dallas, I mean, they're a good team. But, you know, it's crazy things happen in the Open Cup. So we'll see. So I think with all that being said, are you guys ready to go to supporter section questions? Well, before that, you had kind of touched a little bit on it. But let's let's quickly talk about the the uh the decision by mls to make fc cincinnati team number 26 uh you know for mls expansion obviously you know the final boxes got checked off this past week when the city and the county both pledged money uh towards the new stadium that will be built on the west side of the town um obviously that was the the biggest uh biggest loophole that that needed to be closed up and got closed up and you know they've they've kind of earned it the last couple of years. I, I you know you hate you feel bad for Sacramento because you know of what they've done, but then again, in the same token, Sacramento still hasn't checked off the box of giving them the, the that big owner that they need. 
you know, to, to fulfill everything that, that is, especially what MLS wants is they want that deep pockets owner that they have, you know, Phoenix has checked off all those boxes, except, you know, now they're still trying to determine, you know, where, where the stadium is going to be. Apparently the city has now come in, the Phoenix has now come in and off tried to offer the team some sweet land deals in order to move, you know, the, the, the stadium somewhere in the Phoenix area, you know, does, does the Diamondbacks decision to leave Chase Field after 2022 affect that decision in any factor that, you know, that Phoenix Rising could go in, do some renovations to that stadium and turn it into a turn it into a soccer stadium, you know, downtown? Could that be possible? Who knows what, you know, what the future lies there? You know, I'm sure in the in, in the weeks to come, we'll get some answers from, you know, front office people saying, OK, here's here's what we've got. And here's what we've learned, you know, to start putting us on the track to be in either Team 27 or Team 28 moving forward. So but, you know, for what Cincinnati's done, they've they obviously have, have really earned it. They have a great fan base back there and, you know, hats off to them for for being the being the 26th selection for Major League Soccer. Yeah, it, it wasn't a surprise to me. You know, I think I think we all knew that that the Cincinnati move was happening. I mean, they've earned it with that attendance and their their performances um, the past couple seasons. But one thing that it kind of raises a question in my mind is: is this kind of having to do with the whole Columbus Crew situation? You know, I mean, two teams in Ohio. You wonder how that's going to work if if they're thinking maybe that'll if they move the Columbus crew now to Austin, if that evens out the conference situation, I mean, it's it's kind of disheartening as a Columbus crew fan to see what they've been going through. But, um, I mean, just to keep it focused on USL, I think that now it truly is us versus Sacramento for this next MLS spot. Um, and I, I personally think that we do have the better, better uh, chances right now. I mean, we have the owner, we have the land, like Jeff said, we have we have the city of Phoenix that's trying to, you know, move the team now and to get us to build a stadium in, in their uh, jurisdiction. So to have that, to have a huge city like Phoenix trying to, you know, get this club because they see the value, I think that that's, that's a huge pull, and I think Don Garber will see that. Um, and I, I hadn't heard anything about the Chase Field situation, but I think that that would be a very interesting one because I think from an MLS perspective, they love downtown stadiums. You know, they love that kind of atmosphere. And I think that for Phoenix Rising, I think that they have a good fan base there. I mean, it's not as maybe as centrally located in the Valley perspective as where we are now. But I still think that we could still get a great crowd. And I I would have to think that as far as overall cost, it would be much cheaper to renovate an existing structure than to build a brand new one. So maybe that's something that the owners are looking into as well. Um, Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where it goes from there. But for SC Cincinnati, congratulations. That's awesome. And uh, hopefully we'll see them in the MLS soon. Yeah, I think think that they're scheduled to start MLS play next season. Uh, I think that was part of the terms. So them, Nashville, they would both be joining the MLS next season. And I think you would have to – I think what that does mean is that this is Columbus Crew's last year. They're going to be playing in Austin next season. Um, they can probably play at the UT football stadium until they have a soccer-only venue set up down there. Uh, that's what I would imagine will happen. Um, and, I, I mean, of course, it, it is unfortunate for Columbus for 
an original franchise uh, that has a lot of history that's contributed so much to the U.S. soccer landscape, but I don't really see how the MLS will end up putting two teams in Ohio. And, you know, regardless of the Columbus situation, which does look pretty unfortunate, take nothing away from Cincinnati. FC Cincinnati should not be criticized at all um, for having its ducks in a row for finding the right spot. They had three options and they ended up choosing one that still was in the city of Cincinnati and they're able to fund some community initiatives that, you know, allowed some of the people who were originally against the plan to get more in favor of the West End site. So, I mean, FC Cincinnati, it's a great market. They have passionate fans and good on them for getting the MLS. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that this means Columbus is going to be moved to Austin. So the conferences are evened out and that's, you know, unfortunate, but I still, that shouldn't, that shouldn't take away from the success of soccer in Cincinnati. Um, and then what that means for us is right now you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of national articles about Phoenix to MLS. You aren't really seeing the same kind of national buzz for Sacramento to MLS or any other city for that matter. So I think Phoenix at this point is the favorite for spot 2017 or spot 27, excuse me. And now that we have Alex saying, now that we have the renderings out, I think you're going to get an announcement um, just depending on what happens with the Chase Field situation, whether they think that that's an option or whether they're pretty committed to the site that they have currently. But I think we get an announcement maybe the end of this season, like in December, maybe early 2019, but... I'd be pretty surprised at this point if Phoenix does not become 27. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're dead on there, Dominic. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, just comparing the two cities, Phoenix, Sacramento, as far as a destination, I think Phoenix wins every time. And I mean, we, we, I think that we have seen great growth of soccer in Phoenix and, um, I mean, Don Garber can see also, I think, the potential that a city has and being that Phoenix has really grown as far as businesses relocating here and headquartering here. I think that, you know, he can he can see that we have long long term uh, stability. Um, I think the field situation probably is what maybe holding up an announcement. And I think MLS is, you know, they're a business. They're going to wait and kind of let us get everything figured out as far as the details and then when everything is you know set in stone then they will announce us like you said probably the end of this year maybe beginning of 2019 um but yeah i think that this kind of solidifies that we should be the next team there i don't see any other city that could uh kind of overrun us right now for this bid but you know it's and i mean yeah i don't think that i don't think that you need to knock down Cincinnati for this whole Columbus crew situation I think it's just you know it's just kind of how the cookie crumbles it's you know wrong place wrong time but Cincinnati I think regardless of whether the Columbus crew was staying or leaving I think they would earn an MLS team I think they just earned it faster due to what is happening in Columbus and MLS was looking for an Eastern Conference team to fill that kind of hole and I think Cincinnati fits that perfectly. And the fact that they said Cincinnati starts MLS play in 2019, that to yeah. me is ding, ding, ding. Exactly. Columbus is gone after this season. 
I, I, th I think you're dead on. I think that's why I think that's why the MLS has been so quiet on the whole Columbus situation and Cincinnati. I think that they've kind of just been letting things play out. And I think Cincinnati is a team they can make that transition to MLS. Yeah, they might not be a top team starting off. They'll definitely have their struggles, but um, I don't think they'll have any problem tra transitioning to MLS next season. Jeff, anything to add here? I mean, no. I mean maybe maybe another question is, we I mean, to this point, we had talked a lot about the site that they have right now uh, over in like where con where uh, Tempe, Scottsdale, and Phoenix all converge. That's the ideal spot on that Salt River land. But maybe maybe we do renovate Chase Field and so that it's only grass. Um, maybe cut down some of the seats in the top level because it's a very steep stadium. Uh, but they have a big scoreboard. They have, you know, plenty of space when you cover up all the dirt and make it grass only, and they could do that for MLS. Is is that a realistic possibility? I mean, it is kind of nice that there actually is light rail into downtown. I, I mean, it it is a possibility. I mean, I'm it probably it's probably not out there in deep detail, you know. But I think obviously part part of what seems to be holding up the issue with with the site you know they're currently built on you know pop-ups are are easy to do but when it comes to putting solid you know steel and and structure into the ground on on indian land you know you've got to come up with some sort of sweetheart deal that makes sure that that the indians you know the indian community is getting what they you know, they deserve out of this land and, you know, not just giving it up for nothing. So, I mean, I think that has something to do with it. I also think, you know, just the fact that, you know, the having to have to jump through all the hoops and having to jump through all the whatever needs to be done, you know, to, to get that land secured. I think for, for me, I think that seems to be the big struggle right now. You know, I think every, every other box is checked and is ready to go. But securing whatever land they need is the final step of the process, you know. And, you know, whether that's because the Indians have decided they want something different out of this deal or whether it is, you know, they're just not sure that they want to put this stadium on this land and on this site. You know, we don't know all the answers to that right now. You know, can Chase be renovated? Very easily it could be, it could be renovated, you know. Like you said, take some seats out of the top level. They're not always necessary. You know, you, you, you take out the pool area, you know, you, you reconfigure some of that area, you know, to make the field wide enough and long enough, you know, to, to do what you need to do with it. I think it can easily be done, you know, and, you know, you could, you could put twenty five to 30,000 in that stadium and you'd be okay. There's, there's yeah. actually an interesting image on, I just did a Google search for Chase Field map. One of the first results had it uh, in a soccer configuration. And the way that they had it would be um, kind of like the setup in Yankee Stadium where the south goal is right behind the first base dugout and the north goal is like right in front of the left field bleachers. And so you have it lined up like that. You could put, maybe move the right field seating closer in and have that 
be the thing and then have all the seating along the third baseline remain as is. Um, I, I don't know what you guys think about like the you know reconfiguring a baseball stadium but it would certainly be cheaper and it's already in a convenient location for a lot of people it would be fascinating to see if the if if there have even been discussions about rising and diamondbacks just switching plots of land yeah i don't know if there have been discussions on that or not you know but obviously you know with with you know, with the Diamondbacks looking to opt out of their stadium, you know, with, you know, within the next four years, I mean, it obviously changes the game completely, you know, and, and, and I don't know if that's even been brought, you know, we don't even know if that situation has even been brought up yet, but I mean, it would be an intriguing one if it is there, like, it, you know, like you said, if you, you know, you know, you're talking about spending 250 to 300 million to, to build a stadium. Well, here's an opportunity for, maybe a hundred million, let's say, you know, to renovate a stadium that's already built, that's already got solid foundations. There's really not a whole lot wrong with the stadium. You know, I think the Diamondbacks are trying to make it out to look like there's really a lot of problems, but there really isn't, you know, and, you know, hey, you got a, you got a strong, solid facility that you can open it up if you want, leave it closed if you want. It gives, gives them the flexibility to do whatever they want to do. You're right, Jeff. And I mean, the more the more I think about this, the more I actually like it. I think that, I mean, one thing that really jumps out to me is you have downtown Phoenix. You have all the bars and restaurants and entertainment surrounding the stadium. Having that in that Scottsdale location is going to take a long time to build on that. Yeah, you have Tempe Marketplace, but you still have to walk across the freeway. And it's just, it's not the same as having a downtown location. I think that as far as the Phoenix Rising perspective, I think this is something that will really interest them because, yeah, I mean, you're talking about 150 to 200 million dollars in savings. You know, I mean, that's as far as a business standpoint, that's huge. So I think that that it's definitely a great option, and yeah, maybe we see a swap of, of land. One thing that kind of has always quest- made me question this Scottsdale location is it's right in the Sky Harbor flight path. And, Maybe creating a stadium there and having to have a crane, you know, kind of in the airspace, maybe that'll create issues as well. So I think that there is there's probably more than we know going on behind the scenes with this Scottsdale um, location that we're at right now. But I mean, I, I think downtown is a great choice. And I think, I mean, no matter what, I, this ownership group has always made the right decision. You know, they haven't been quick to uh, to kind of jump to anything and, you know, to have to correct their mistakes so i think they're doing their due diligence right now and they're just taking their time and um kind of seeing how things develop and i think that in the end you know i think we're going to get the stadium and i think you know no matter where it is it's going to be class so i'm just excited and you know i i'll add i'll put some of these photos on the rising as one account but i'm looking also at the photos from 2015 when Chivas Guadalajara and Pachuca played at Chase Field. And the surface looks pretty good. Uh, it looks like nice grass. It looks like there's enough space for the field. I mean, perhaps you would like the field to be a little bit wider, but it's definitely playable. And there's this was a match in December, so they were able to fully cover it with grass. You don't really see any dirt spots. You don't really see any 
pitcher's mound or anything like that uh, based off the picture. You know that the grounds crew over there has experience with these things. They've converted it into a football stadium. They do that every year. So as far as getting high-quality grass, I don't think that's going to be a big uh, holdup. It's something to think about. And it also solves the issue of what are people going to do with this heat? Because we, we get so many people from other parts of the country saying, oh, Arizona's so hot. How can they play soccer in the summer here? Well, Chase Field has a retractable roof. So you can open it up when it's nice. You can close it when it's hot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, baseball season runs all through the summer, and they haven't had a problem there in the past, what, it's been 20 years now. So I think, I think that there's definitely solutions, and I think that's another thing that the ownership group is looking at is, you know, there's – Teams have done it here in the Valley before, so there's definitely options. And, you know, maybe if there's a, a cheaper option, maybe that's kind of what we go with. But I, I just think that either way, I mean, it's it's going to be a great stadium. Um, I think the downtown location would be favorable just because of the existing buildings around downtown and the kind of atmosphere it would bring. But, I mean, either way, I think that we have, a, we have plenty of uh, – kind of options to choose from as far as the stadium and I think you know this ownership group is going to do what what they think is the is the right move and I think they'll they'll do what they see is what's going to get us to MLS so whatever that is you know that's I think that's what it's going to end up as yeah I think that's a good way to look at it so I think now we can go to supporter section <laughs> questions um they kind of went on a lot longer, but we haven't really talked about Phoenix and MLS much this year. I feel like we've talked about it a lot less than in the past. So it just feels good to get that to get that out there, especially after a tough couple weeks with on-the-field stuff. Talk about something we're a little more excited about. So um, we'll wrap it up pretty quick. We don't have too many questions. Um, we actually have a couple questions, but they both kind of cover the same topic. So I'll just go with what Matt Skinner at Matt Skinner 10 said. Any word on why Wazinski has been benched? I wish I had the answer to that question, honestly. I mean, that that struggle, I mean, I struggle with that. I, I understand the reason was to try to get Lubin some playing time while we're well, while we're out on that road trip. And yeah, Lubin did okay on that road trip, and I just I'm puzzled just as much as the next person is. Yeah, no, I, I think I think Carl's our clear number one. Um, if it were up to me, he would have been on the field yesterday. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, I don't, he didn't have any huge mistakes, I thought, in that uh, loss to Sporting AZ in the Open Cup. So to not see him these past two matches, yeah, it's it's really kind of been puzzling for me. I've, I mean, it, especially not seeing him on the injury report. I mean, it's he's a top goalie. I don't, I don't, I don't see Zach Lubin making plays that Carl Wazinski couldn't make. So it's it's kind of puzzling to me as well. Um, I, I mean, I, hopefully we see Carl this week on Wednesday. I I kind of wonder because we are on a road trip. Maybe Carter on sticks with Lubin. But I mean, after that mistake yesterday, you have to think that you know we need to see some uh, some better leadership in, in between sticks. Yeah, got to, got to agree there. Um, we know that Carl is not injured because he played in the Open Cup match last Wednesday 
against Sporting AZ and put in a pretty good performance and made one or two huge saves to get us to penalties. So you know that he's not injured. All I can think is maybe uh, Patrice feels like he has to give multiple keepers like several starts um, just because we have like when Burner is healthy, you know, three quality starting keepers and there's just, you know, there's only one position on the field for goalkeepers to play. And so maybe they, maybe he feels like, you know, all the keepers on the roster have to get a certain number of starts. We certainly saw that with Cohen and Carl uh, switching several times during the middle of the season last year. But it, I, I don't understand. And I think we gave Lubin his run. That's great. He had a couple shutouts, you know, a couple good performances on that road trip um, where he wasn't really being tested much. But lately, he just hasn't been up to standard. So I think if Carl's healthy and we have a huge match, you got to give him that start, you know? I mean, put Lubin in when you can, but Carl's our number one guy. So I, I don't get it either. I hope, to, I hope we see him Wednesday. I really do at this point. Yeah. And that's that's similar to what Ken Knighton uh, asked us. Ken Knighton at Ken Knighton Jr. Um, so basically, we just covered it with the previous question, but his was very similar. It was just why the change from Waz to Lubin. Waz was doing just fine, and I think the answer is that we don't have an answer. We agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're asking the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, do we want to get into final thoughts at this point? Yeah, we can get into final thoughts. Um, like like I said earlier, you know, obviously we're looking at, you know, Wednesday now as kind of being the first true kind of must-win match of the season. Um, you know, we talked when – we, when we talked last week before our podcast, we had said, you know, we need to at least get a win out of one of those two matches. And now obviously with, with the loss to Swope Park Rangers on Saturday, it kind of makes – Sunday's, you know, kind of makes Wednesday's match against St. Louis is you know, kind of a very important must-win kind of match. You know, hopefully Carterone finds the right combination to put out onto the field. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it, it's getting to a point now where we need to start looking for those players that are really going to step up in Didier Drogba's absence in the next month. Um, you know, we, we haven't seen that guy yet. And hopefully within the next two or three weeks, we'll find that guy and we'll, we'll see that there can be times where we can live without Didier Drogba in the lineup. But obviously at this point, you know, now we're starting to see a situation where, you know, we're struggling without Didier in the lineup and we need Didier in the lineup. So, you know, hopefully we'll find that person, you know, within the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Jeff. But, but I mean, it's, we know that this is Drogba's last season and we knew coming in that he was not going to play every single match this season, a full 90. So it's, I think it's something as far as the team, it's just something that they need to fix. I think Billy Forbes could be that player. The problem is he's still injured. I don't know his, his return time, but I thought I saw recently he's starting to get back on the pitch. So, you know, hopefully we just have a couple more weeks that we have to go without him. Um, I mean, I, I, honestly, I think that our expectations have been so high after this start to the season but I mean if we look back we're in third place we're five points out of first place we're still in a great spot you know I mean last season we we started off so so I mean I would say 
not great last season, and we were able to work our way up to fifth. So I think with the start that we've had, we still have so much to play for. That I mean, it's it's been tough not performing against the top teams, but if we can correct that, I think that you know we have great opportunity this season to finish top four, and I mean maybe even top two because we've seen that you know that it's going to be a tight race, but I think we still have the quality to stick with the top two or top three. So you know I think that we just need to. You know, take this match, get momentum for Sacramento, and hopefully we can do something great while we're in Sacramento. Yeah, I guess all I can say is, um, you know, lots of lots of season left to play, and the guys showed some, at least, an ability to get into good scoring positions. Um, I still have confidence that. You know, at the end of the day, we're going to be fine. You just want to see better performances against uh, some of the bigger clubs in the Western Conference um, because, unfortunately, our record is now zero wins, one draw, and four losses against teams in the top eight in the West. Um, and, and that's four losses in our last four matches against those clubs. So you want to see better performances there, but at the end of the day, we're still in third place. We're still doing fine on the year. And, you know, just keep the faith. I have a good feeling about this Wednesday match at St. Louis. And just Coach Carterone, if you're listening to this, just please start Carl on Wednesday, all right? We gave Lubin a chance, and he's a good person, and he has his moments, but just give Carl the opportunity. He's, he's our veteran guy. He's been here for so long. He's a captain. And we need that leadership to just get a big shutout and get three huge points. So that's all I got to say. Just free Carl. <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to create a hashtag or something. Get that trending and <laughs> get hashtag, it on the field. I'm on hash, it. Hash, I'm on it. Hashtag, hashtag free Carl. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Do you guys have anything to add before we end this episode? Uh, nope, I think that's going to do it. No, All right. I mean, I, oh, go on? Yeah, let's get this win on uh, Wednesday. All right, and stay tuned because we're about to throw in the uh, post-game analysis from Saturday afternoon. On Saturday afternoon, I'm not sure how many of you were aware of this, I went on with the uh, Phoenix Rising uh, fan show people. Uh, Rick Taylor and Kyle and Kevin Gates, excuse me, and chatted with them for about 16 minutes, you know, just immediately after the match ended. So the analysis might be a little bit more raw than this, where we were a little more measured. We had some time to think about it, but should be fun. And just wanted to give them a shout out because we've worked together on a couple things. They've been really good uh, working with us. And, you know, we're hoping to do a live show with a studio audience on June 17th. So mark your calendars for that. We're hoping to do it after the Germany-Mexico World Cup game that morning. So, you know, watch that match and then record after that match at 10 a.m. We don't have a location yet, but we will get back to you when there is one. Uh, and check out that, that fan show because those guys have great interviews with players. They bring a different kind of energy. Uh, it's a pretty fun... Uh, kind of deal. So check them out and then here's the audio from yesterday. But thanks 
for listening to uh, our stuff with Jeff and Kyle. Well, are we one. angry? I think we're beyond angry. At least one of us is beyond angry. Um, we're all beyond angry. <laughs> uh, so it's a 1-0 loss. That third-minute howler ends up being the difference in this one, 1-0. And not a lot of light from either side in the second half. And in fact, one could argue that we should have lost 2-0 when Soap had excellent chances there at the end. Several. Several. Hits I mean, a crossbar, hits a post. I mean, it was like, what, three, four shots on goal? And none of them went in. Yeah. And we can't say the same for us. That's kind of frustrating. I think the only thing you can say is we had a couple chances. Prater got on the end of one around the 70th minute. And Zendejas was just on his game that Zendejas, Zendejas was on his game. I can't say anything or take anything away from him. I, I, I do have one complaint, and that is, why are we launching the ball like that? I mean, every time we got down in the goal area, it seems like we were kicking for the stands. It just drove me nuts. Why can't we do be surgical? Um, that's a great question, but I don't think any of us have any answers. I have no answer. It's been the story of our of our last several weeks. We have the, the we have the ability. We're just not we're not executing. And then when we manage to get a shot on target, we're running up against keepers that are on their game, making great saves, and you know. You're getting a glimpse into what will life be after Drogba, and it's going to be tough, you know? Unless we can improve tactics, unless we can make some changes, it's going to be tough because Drogba's going to be out the next month. And without him, we didn't create a lot today. We didn't create anything today. Okay, but I'm going to say this much, though. TDA, I love you. You're not watching this, but I still love you, okay? There's much love. Halfway across the world. <laughs> Different hemisphere. <laughs> it, is. it is. He's in Africa right now. But I will say this. We have the ability. Right. See that blinking light? Punch it. One time. Alright. We have the ability to develop plays for lack of a if they're not set pieces, we're able to be creative without drug box. We have the players, we have the ability. You know what, we have the talent. But what's happening right now is I just don't see the determination and the chemistry that we know that we can have. Personality-wise, we have the chemistry, but when we get on the field, I don't feel like there's this, you know how you get that adrenaline rush? Dom, you play soccer, and you used to- I mean, small goals. Yeah, you know, well, <laughs> no, we're small time, but even when we're small time, you get that adrenaline rush when you get out there, right? And, and, and I'm not saying that our guys don't see that, but I don't feel it as a fan in this game. I didn't see it in the last game. Uh, it goes back to what I was saying before. There's this mental thing going on ever since the Open Cup. We hit that Open Cup thinking we were going to whoop some behind. We didn't. And I think that got into the psyche, and we have not been able to get out of that. We got into the next game, got our butts kicked, and it's just, it's kind of like this spiral beat down, and I think we just need to get out. And, and Kevin over there is agreeing with Rick, for the record. <laughs> Can't show him, because we have no cameraman, but he's agreeing. He agrees. I mean, I, it's, a, it's a mental game right now. 
a funk, a slump, whatever you want to call it, we need to get out of it, snap out of it, and, and execute. We've got a couple good games coming up. Uh, we got one in St. Louis. You know, we need to, you know, a win might help stop the tailspin. And the thing here is, you saw it in the Champions League final earlier today, you see it now. Just giving away a game. I mean, this match was here. Swope was not clinical today. They were not surgical. No. We didn't have to do much at all to at least walk out of there with a nil-nil. And we just we just give them we give them this win because Lubin for the second straight game just has a rough goal of it. And this time it's a bad clearance. Then the ball into the box. A ball that you have to catch or at the very minimum just punch it out. And he just leaves it right there for Swope to just bury you know, as it a the fan, net. man, I just don't want to throw any shade on my man, you know. I don't want to throw any shade on him. You know, Zach, I get it, you know. I was a goalie, so I get it. I, I, you know, you get one away from you and it gets behind you and, and whatever, and you know. But you as a team, you know what? That happened in the first couple of minutes of the game. We yeah. have plenty of time to make up for that and at least get the draw. Right. So I don't think we should point. be laying it all on Zach at that point because we had 90 minutes afterwards to do something and we did That's fair. That's fair. I guess all I'm saying is Carl Wazinski had an outstanding start to the season. Barely allowed anything in the first five matches. Had multiple shutouts. And for seemingly no reason, he wasn't injured because he started the Sporting AZ match. He was just taken out for Zach Lubin. I don't know if, if you know, Carterone agreed to the keepers before the season started to give them all a certain number of starts. But there was no reason for him, based on form alone, to be taken out of the lineup. And yet he was taken out of the lineup. And you just look at a before and after. It's not, it's not rocket science here. The first two matches, he didn't have to do anything at OKC or Tulsa. But the last two, where he's had anything to deal with, he hasn't been able to deal with it. Well, and I agree with you on that because I want to see a first-team keeper. Most teams have a first-team clear first-team keeper. And with Phoenix Rising right now, we don't seem to have a first-team keeper, and I don't understand why. To me, hey, Zach, love you. Clearly it's Waltz. Yep. Experience, long-term with the team, ability, and Zach, you're going to get, I'm not dissing on you, Zach, but at the same time, there's got to be a first-team keeper. I don't understand the wishy-washy. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. As a fan, and I think, you know, the fans are probably not looking at it as technically or in, as in-depth as, as we're looking at it right now. I mean, as a fan, I think the fans are like, dang, we lost. We just need to win. We need three points. We need to go to the playoffs. We need to win. And that's the bottom line. Yeah, this team is just, uh, it's been so bizarre. The difference in performance against, you know, just really poor teams versus teams that are even that's decent a good point. in the studies. And yeah. so now, now you look at it. Our record against teams in the top eight in USL Not very good. drops to zero wins, one draw, and four losses. When is that going to change? Because if it doesn't change, we're, we're losing the in the first round. Yep. We're losing in the first round. That's all I have. That's all I can expect at this point right now. So and I need something to change. So I have do. a hypothesis here, because Dom, I hear what you're saying there. I hear what you're saying. And you know what? I don't feel like the team's comfortable in a 4-4-2. 
Um, I'm watching them play in the 4-4-2, and I just, I'm not feeling the same kind of excitement, the same kind of communication, the same kind of chemistry that I've seen in other formations. And we probably played with three, maybe four formations across across the season so far. And to me, the 4-4-2 has been the worst formation that we've had. I'm gonna go back to the three in the back. Why do I go to three in the back? Because first of all, I think we have three strong players that can play three, you know, the three against with the goalie. And I think that that opens up a whole lot of new alternatives. I was a midfielder as a player, and I'm not saying that was a good midfielder, but I get the midfielder up, uh, mentality, and I just don't see what I would like to see out of the mid midfield on an attack basis um, that I would like to see. And I think that if we had three in the back, it might open that up. I mean, I could be on, I could be all wet. I don't know. Well, it certainly opened things up against OKC and Tulsa, and against Sacramento, we at least created a lot of chances. They just, they just weren't dropping. That's that's a tough discussion. What do you have to say? I think, you know, I when we start armchair goaltending, yeah, I mean, that's what, I mean, you know, I am going so to easy put from here. It's so easy from here. I trust. Patrice, that he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. He's trying to do some things, change some things, and you know what? He's been doing it a lot longer and better than I ever have or could, and you know, That's true. I, 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 I'm not going to say anything about that. Uh, I do have an opinion. I don't. I, I, I don't have an opinion about what? it. What? That's I like don't. the first time in your 53 years of life. I know that I don't have an opinion about something. <laughs> this, the only opinion I got is we need to win. Oh, I, I don't care what the formation is. I'm so I just glad I'm not going to Look at you. Yeah, you, you just discombobulated me entirely. <laughs> He has opinions. <laughs> he has a huge opinions. He just I got at least two. He just doesn't want Kevin to say his. <laughs> so, at the end of the day, I think we can all agree we need to play better against St. Louis. We need to do better. We need to do better. And, I, you know, and St. Louis is a tough defensive team, too. They're not going to be, if anything, Swope was an easier team to break down to get goals on, and we couldn't do it. So we got to find something, and that defense, which was such a rock for us at the beginning of the year, we got to start getting shutouts again. So yeah, we do. There are a lot of questions. Because we had a lot of ten, well, we had right a now. goal differential of ten until now, and now we got nine. Well, you know what? To me, as a team, and oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Probably too much beer. But I see this as a Manchester United problem. A ton of talent. The talent is indis I mean, you cannot dispute the talent, right? But there's something happening in execution that isn't working. And we gotta figure out what that execution is. I think it's flattering that you're comparing us to Man U because Man U is second place out of 20 teams. No, they are my team in the BPL. Yeah, see? Now you really hear what's going on here. And they, they've actually managed to beat a couple big sides during the season. And they well, send them checks well, every well, month. Well, I have. But, but Man U, you got to admit, though, if Man U took the talent that they had man for man against what Man City put on the field, my opinion is Man U takes the BPL. Well, we're, we're getting into other things right Yeah, we now. are getting into other things. I agree with you. I think there is He had to mention that because you know. 
<laughs> there is no money, Rick. I think there's something to be said where there are a lot of strong players, but it's just about fitting them together and creating it's the chemistry. best 11 and getting that right chemistry. And a lot of guys feel like they should be starting, you know? I think there are 18, 19 players on our squad that feel like they should be USL starters. Yep. And quite frankly, 18 or 19 of our guys should be USL starters. That's the problem of a defense. But we only have defense. 11 spots. That's the problem of a deep bench. The deep bench is the best blessing you could have, but at, from a fan's perspective, but from a player's perspective, it's frustration because right, they because feel like, rightly Absolutely. so, they should be on the pitch. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I get that. I mean, even even if you were, no, it doesn't even matter what level you are. If you have a deep bench at your level, you're going to have that frustration. So what we're saying is we have lots of good problems. We just got to sort them out. And before we go, what do you guys think we need to do to get those three points, to get that win, to get things rolling against St. Louis? You know, that's Visit a, that's the opposing team and hurt them. Well, okay, there's the deep analysis from Rick. <laughs> Have some good you know, ribs. <laughs> actually, here's the thing. We play them on Wednesday. I'm looking at the lineup that we have today, and I'm wondering what the lineup is going to look like on Wednesday. Drogba plays. Drogba starts. Drogba's in Africa. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's not coming oh, in. He's not coming. We so, that ten minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> I just. So we got to figure out what our lineup's going to look like because legs are going to be tired. I mean, that's all there is to it. So I don't have an answer for you right now. I need to think on that a little bit. What about you? The only thing I can think of right now is please give Carl a start. Please. Okay. I think Waz needs to be in the net. Yep. I agree. I agree. I agree with that. You know what? We have a great team. This is not something that we're worried about. What we're trying to do is we're just trying to get that that chemistry, that communication on the field, that creativity, that finishing, which Dom was pointing out earlier, that finishing that's going to get the job done. Yeah. Execution. All about execution. Well, guys, any any closing thoughts? It's been a pleasure to guest on this. This has been awesome. No, you know what? Here's the closing thought, if you don't mind, Rick. Yeah, please. Okay, you know what? We are the PRFC Fan Show. We are so happy to have Dom on the show because awesome. he gives us legitimacy. <laughs> right, right. Our opinions meant nothing until Dom. Nothing until Dom. Now that he's here. So all we can I've heard some hot takes. That's right up there with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all we can do is hope that we will get Jeff and Kyle on the show at some point with you. It would be a blast. Of course. Yeah, of course. Be awesome. You know what? Because that would be three smart guys and two dumb guys, and what better mix could you have? <laughs> so that's all I've, I've got. It was I fun. got nothing else, but we're, we're glad that you guys showed up here and uh, as a show by fans, for fans, and with uh, Dom here, it's awesome. Oh, I do want to give a shout out. Some of you may not have known, but the man just graduated from law school. That's right. He's got it. He's getting ready to take the bar here in a couple of months. Yeah, no pressure, right? Yeah. yeah. So we're all going to watch, and we're going to all be like, hey, Dom, did you pass the bar? Every single time. And I won't be able to tell you guys until October. That's yeah, October. Oh, that's October. Like, that's all right. We're, we're during finished. the playoffs. We're, yeah, we're that's right. During the playoffs. We'll mock you if it's October or November. Absolutely. Oh, jeez. Oh, this, this is horrible. Before we go, I have to say, um, in some early discussions, we're trying to do a live show, a bigger live show, on Sunday, June 17th, right when the World Cup starts. 
there's a big Germany-Mexico match that morning. Right afterwards, we're going to try to do a live Rising as One podcast, get both these fine people on it, and then get the Brazil match going. So just Woo! try to record That's it. That's going to be awesome. We're going to do that because Dimanshoft is going to dominate the World Cup. You heard oh it from me. Right here. Here we go. We are werden über alles gewinnen. No, no, no. <laughs> Iceland, baby. <laughs> Iceland. Oh my god. Oh, World War Oh my god. <laughs> Here we go. It's the World War II comments already. <laughs> All right, guys. It's been fun. John, thanks so much. Thanks so much, John. It's awesome. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.